so we are beginning a new sermon series, and it is a unique one. Um, it's a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Um, it is called Resurrection Eve, uh, and um, when we get together as believers and we have high praise about the resurrection of Christ, which is appropriate, we should, <laughs> right? Like Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. And honestly, every single Sunday is like a mini Easter. Like that's why we get together on Sunday and not any other day of the week, right? Some of you don't know that history. The reason we get together on Sunday is because it reminds us of Jesus getting up on Sunday. Like, that's literally the only reason. Because every day is a day to worship and remember God, right? right? So Sunday we get together as a family to do so in honor and remembrance of the resurrection of Christ. However, there's a point in which we also have to remember that to get to Sunday, there was a Friday and a Saturday, Right? To get to Sunday, there is death. You can't actually raise from the dead if you ain't dead. <laughs> right? Which feels like, oh, yeah. But even as believers, we don't actually enjoy that process. Like, it's important. And we, when we get to, like, Good Friday and all of that stuff, yeah, we'll spend some time actually, you know, like, there. There's, we'll do a Good Friday kind of gathering the way we've done in the last few years. But... Just for this series, we're going to kind of sit for a minute in that because that's not just something that happened at the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. That's something as believers that we carry with us all the time, this hope in the middle of acknowledging death, acknowledging suffering and pain and some challenge I'm grateful for the testimony because I was like, oh, okay, Holy Spirit, cue it up then. Like, <laughs> why not? Because, yeah, we want to praise when the 14 days is done. There's no more burning. But how are we navigating that in between? Are we Christian light during that? And I mean light like, you know, the free version of the app. Are we Christian light during the winter? And then we get super Christian at spring? <laughs> That's what we're talking about, this series. So it's called Resurrection Eve. Um, the title of this sermon is simply A New Thing. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 5 verses 33 through 39, and then, but we'll also end in Isaiah um, 43, 19 through 20. I want to read this portion of Scripture in Ecclesiastes, though, because it's going to set us up a little bit. If you've been here for a little while, a couple of years ago, I did a sermon called Seasons. And the premise of that sermon was to kind of talk through the idea that our soul, we have spiritual seasons, not so much unlike natural seasons, right? We have, a, we have a winter, we have a spring, we have a summer and a fall in our soul, and so does our church, right? So I'm going to read this portion of Scripture in Ecclesiastes, um, it's chapter 3, 
For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to, oh, I said already, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and the time for peace. Solomon wrote that. It's poetic to point to and to kind of over and over again point to there's a part of who we are as followers of God whom we pay attention to what's going on and what season are we in, right? And uh, during that sermon, I showed a picture that was kind of like this. Like we have spiritual winters and springs and summers and falls. And the truth is, if we aren't aware of what's going on in that season of our life spiritually, if we're not in tune with where we are in that season, we can actually be very disappointed, right? If we are in the middle of a spring and we're hope, right? We're in the middle of a spiritual spring, which is honestly, it's like characteristically a lot of conflict. Right? At the beginning of spring, naturally, is a lot of conflict. You wake up wearing a, a, a t-shirt, and by the end of the day, you need a sweater. <laughs> the ground is frozen, but there are still flowers trying to grow up out of that. You start to actually see some leaves start to bud on the trees, and then all of a sudden, we get a frost. <laughs> We Michiganders know. We know about seasons. We got all four of them. And then we also get the little stuff in between all four of them. We got like eight seasons. <laughs> and spring is one of those conflict-ridden seasons. Summer, we feel good. Our joints are loose. <laughs> the sun is out. There's growth. It's growing. It feels good. We have to have some discipline to cut back what, does, what isn't needed because sometimes there's just more overgrowth, right? Like that's characteristic of summer. In the fall, autumn, we experience this joy of harvest, this joy of we get to look back at what grew. And for those of us who aren't farmers, we ain't plucking stuff, right? But we get to enjoy where growth happened. And the winter is a time that is rest, but it's also cold and gray and annoying. And if I want it to be summer and it's winter, I'll be angry every day of the winter. Every single day. If I look up in the sky and I want to see sunshine in a Michigan winter, I will be disappointed every single day. Which somebody remind me, I have an announcement at the end of the sermon. 
So just somebody reminded because I know I'll forget. <laughs> so the whole point of that sermon was so that we could, in our souls, chart where we are. You, we're, are we're individually in different seasons. Sometimes one of us may be in a spring, and that's an important time for us to encourage that person to make it through the conflict that comes along with that. Sometimes we're in a winter, and somebody needs to actually, you're okay, you're good, come over here, hug me, let's get warm. Right? That's what we do as a body. That's what we do as a family. And unison also has seasons. Because we, as a body, we have There's a cycle to how unison functions as well. Unison is currently in a winter. We are. Which feels bleh. I do not like the snow. I'm just, we're going record now. I don't like it. I don't complain about it as much as others, but I do not like it. I woke up this morning and I said, okay, here we go, Michigan. Welcome. (laughs) Unison is in a winter where it can be, you can desire in a winter to experience vibrancy and life and there be some, there's growth and there's different things popping off. And in the winter, that's just not happening. It's not. Actually, in the winter is a, is a, also a lot of time for transition and change because something new is about to happen. Winter is one of those months in our soul and even in an organization and a church body where you kind of have this overlapping. Autumn, we got to see, like, and look back, God has done some amazing things, and God is about to do some more amazing things, but instead of just going from one to the next, there's this season of overlap, where there really isn't anything happening. (laughs) Not on the surface, but underneath, there's a lot of activity. And a lot of that activity is painful. (laughs) It's painful. So, that's actually where this sermon series comes from. It's as leaders acknowledging that's where we are and how do we articulate where we are as a church family. Because what ends up happening in churches is if you don't have language for articulating it, that means everybody comes up with what's going on in their own minds. (laughs) And so there's enough going on in this winter for us to actually set aside a whole few weeks to saying, how do we do this as a church family? Yes, you may have a way of going through the winter in your own soul, and you may navigate that in a way that's good for you. Praise God. Teach us all. But how do we do this as a church family? That's what the series is about. And today, I'm specifically focusing in on this winter. I'm going to go to Luke Chapter 5, one day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? 
Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and they will fast. I'm going to pause there. We'll keep on going in just a moment. But I think it's important for us to kind of understand a little bit of background here. So John's disciples, right? We're talking about John the Baptist, the one who was out eating locusts and wild honey and dressed funny and baptizing people and telling them to repent. He had disciples, people who followed and were taught by him how to do this thing of ministry that he did. And there were also Pharisees, teachers of the law, who had disciples as well, students. That's really what a disciple is, is a follower, a student. Messiah, because they were actually laying the groundwork for Jesus to show up. That's what John and his people were doing the whole time, right? So they're Fasting in anticipation of that. Fasting is this way of which we grow closer to God by sacrificing some of our pleasures. I enjoy Doritos. So I'm going to put Doritos to the side for a minute. And every time I want Doritos, I'm going to go pray. It's really kind of, I mean, that's the, right? That's just the the pattern of what fasting looks like. The Pharisees were doing so for a similar reason, though they weren't necessarily looking for Jesus, right? It was this Messiah come, we're struggling, fast. Jesus is like, what they got to, why, do, why do my disciples have to fast? I'm already here. John's disciples are fasting because I'm supposed to be coming. The Pharisees are fasting because they're looking for me. My people already know I'm here. What we got to fast for? <laughs> That's the point. That's really what Jesus was responding with. And then he goes into this illustration that for many of us is pretty familiar. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wine skins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wine skin, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine skin. The old wine, excuse me, the old is just fine, they say. Jesus is expressing, even in that conversation about the fasting, there was a way in which we did this. They did something, and it was good. John and the Pharisees, they were doing something that was good, and something new is happening. So we don't actually need to operate in that old. He's not saying don't fast, just not for that same reason. And Jesus points to this idea of this mixing this old with this new, and actually how dangerous it is. Right, so for those of us who, you can go to that next picture for me. For those of us who don't sew, because I really don't patch stuff. (laughs) I just don't. Sorry. Just close your teeth. (laughs) Go on Amazon and get something that lasts two weeks. (laughs) 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 I didn't necessarily understand that at the beginning. And even now, most of our stuff is pre-treated and pre-shrunk. So for many of us, we wouldn't understand that either, even if you do patch stuff. 
The reason why Jesus is saying that is because if you have a new patch that is put on an old garment, the old garment is already shrunk. And if you put a new patch on, when it shrinks, it will tear away at the old part. And for those of us who don't make our own wine, wine skins, especially using wine skin, wine, as it's fermenting, gas forms in whatever container and expands whatever it's in. And a wine skin, if you put new wine in a, in a wine skin that's already been expanded, it expands beyond its capacity and then it, it explodes. It's this idea that there was a, there's a time for this wine skin to be used. And at some point, it's no longer necessary for that same purpose. Doesn't mean it doesn't have a purpose. Some of us don't know this too. After a wine skin is used, then they actually start using it for water because water's not going to expand. Still has a purpose, still has a use. It just has a different use. This idea, we're not throwing away the garment. We're just going to take a patch from an already shrunk garment. And we're not going to mix these seasons of the time for this element because it's actually going to harm both. That's the whole point of what Jesus is saying. The whole point of what Jesus is saying is that he's looking back to what Solomon was talking about in Ecclesiastes and really pointing to this idea that there's a season for that. And there's a time when that actually shifts. And are we going to be like the individuals in this last portion of Luke? But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. That's actually the part of, portion of Scripture that convicted me the most. That illustration is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Luke is the only one who uses those words. And it was the part that stuck out the most to me because that's actually how I feel right now. There's some things that God is doing in unison. And I'm looking forward to them. And I still want the old stuff too. Right? Have you ever experienced that? Where it's like, I know that we're going there, and I know it's going to be good, and we, I want the old stuff too, right, God? And God's like, no. Well, then if we can't have the old stuff, then I don't know if I actually want the new stuff. Yeah, but you've been asking for the new stuff. Yeah, well, I was asking for the new stuff with the old stuff. You didn't read between the lines, Jesus. And Holy Spirit's like, that's not how we work. There's some things that are actually not going to go with you into the new because you'll mess up both. You'll mess up what I did back then and you'll mess up what I'm doing next. So which one do you want, the old or the new? I'd say... The last few months have been really the conflict in terms of just where Unison is, the conflict of 
seeing and knowing that. So we, a few weeks ago, talked about the sludge of the church and the sludge of unison and right like this caterpillar coming into this cocoon and getting all messy and sludgy and then and honestly like what I'm imagining is like yeah we go through that breakdown experience and it's all messy it's ugly and then the beautiful butterfly is formed and everything that we had before with us stays with us no, nah, but caterpillars have more legs than butterflies. So they lost some legs in the process. It's got wings, but it doesn't have as much little furry things. And there were some things that served that caterpillar in its season that will not serve it the same way as a butterfly. And they're good things. And are we believers who say that the good thing, it's okay to let the good thing that was also pass so that the good thing that will be has life and space to breathe? That's why that was so convicting. The old is just fine, they say. Because I've been trying to find ways to sneak the old into the new. And I know y'all do that too. It's like if we just don't tell God about it, he won't know. No. <laughs> Isaiah 43, 19. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? No. Because I'm too busy looking at the old. I'm just saying that because there's other people who also need to hear that. If we don't know what season we're in, and we're stuck trying to look in the fall at what God already did, and we're in a winter, no, we will not see what's coming in the spring. We're not even looking for it. God, I just want to stay in the fall and celebrate all the goodness. Let's go back to summer. That's not a thing. Amen. That's not how cycles work. You don't go backwards in a cycle. Amen. You go forward. Yes, that will come again. Yes. But you can't just choose where you are. Because Lord knows I would have not chose snow this morning. I would have I chosen summer. I would have chosen warmth. I like sweaters, and I still would have chose shorts this morning, Jesus. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and dry wastelands. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. 
I'm a little bit emotional at that portion of scripture because I compared the 49507 zip code as a fiscal desert. Compared to the other port parts of Grand Rapids, this part of the city receives the least money from the city budget, yes. Yes. from private donors, yes. and it shows. And for me to use those words and just see that God talking about making a way, making a river in the desert and in wastelands, and it being something that I pray for. I absolutely pray for our church family, but I love this part of our city. Amen. This is a part of our city that is oftentimes forgotten and looked over. Amen. And the people here feel it. And so when I read this, There's this sense of hope, even for how God will use unison in doing that, bringing hope to this part of the city. God is doing something new. And things that we've asked for, I do believe God's about to do. And there's also some challenge and change that comes along with that. This next slide, God is doing a new thing, but winter comes before spring. Just think about how the year is set up. I know in the calendar, December 21st is the first full day of winter. But we only got a few days of that year. The beginning of every year is the same season, it's winter. And I know that I want, I look forward to the buds and the beautiful flowering trees of spring, but there is no getting there without winter. There is nothing new that can grow if something doesn't actually move out of the way first. No flowers will get on your cherry tree if they did not fall off first. There are some of us who have been sitting on the sidelines waiting for the opportunity to be unleashed in ministry and in leadership and in ways, and that means that there are some folks moving out of the way for you. There are some individuals who have been praying for deeper worship experiences, and that's coming, but winter actually comes first. So there means that, means that there's shifts and changes that need to happen. Some of we've been praying for deeper connection with one another, which means that the ways in which we were connecting before actually won't go with us into what we're going into next. Not because it wasn't good, it served us when it was, we were caterpillars, but if we're going to actually be butterflies about this thing, that means something changes. Winter comes first. In your own life, you're asking God to change some things, but you keep looking for summer. It's winter. 
if you want the change, you actually have to go through winter well. If you want the new, you have to go through winter well. If you want fresh anointing, if you want deeper worship, if you want more connectedness, if you want more leadership, if you want dot, 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 how you've been functioning isn't going to work in where you're going. Thus, we have to go through a winter. And if we're not interested in going through the winter, then we'll tear up the old and what's coming. We'll tear up what was sully and soil all of the good that God has already done, looking for the same thing in the good new God's trying to do. Amen. And that's not easy. Amen. But let me tell you what winter is for. Winter, yes, it's the time of transition, but it's also a time for maturing what grew last summer? Most of us want to just see growth, 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 growth. I want to see more. I want to see more. I want to see more. But you never actually get to mature in what you grew in before because you're looking for the next thing. So that's why you lose stuff in the new season because you actually haven't spent any time letting that solidify. That's one wonderful thing about winter. Everything gets solid. Everything gets solid for a good little while. It's a time of maturing what grew last summer. Notice I didn't say last spring. Spring is this new thing. It's the birthing of it, but it's not growing the same way it does in the, in the summer. And if you own a lawn, you know what I'm talking about. Everything grows in the summer, especially weeds. Everything grows then. Winter is not, yes, the autumn was a time of looking back to acknowledge and celebrate that growth. A winter is a time to let it mature. Don't look for some new when what should be happening is maturing. And also, a part of maturing in all things is sometimes what has matured has to be sent out to then go and get, make new fruit in different gardens. That's what's happening in our church family. All of this shifting, it's changing. There's a lot of things going on. But a part of that is because we've asked God for new. We've asked God. Some of you have been like, chomping at the bit to actually get plugged in and you don't know how to get plugged in? It's honestly, it's because there's folks who have matured and are maturing out of that seat for you. And that comes with some challenge. So you also have to grieve. This is actually more challenging for us than I want to admit because most of us can't actually access grief well. We get stuck at angry. We get stuck at angry. I want my cake and I want to eat it. 
So you trying to, you trying to what? You trying to take away my cake? I want to celebrate what God has done, and I want to keep what God has done, and I want what God's about to do next, too. So you about to try to tell me you can't, are you about to take it from me? No, absolutely not. I'm going to just get stuck at angry, ticked off. No, but really there's something underneath that. Something that Ralph said some years ago to me that it has changed me. All change is loss. And all loss should be grieved. It doesn't matter that it's good change. There's still a loss in there. And if we don't grieve it, what ends up happening is we start sneaking in stuff from the old. Many of you have experienced that. Yes? Trying to go into a new relationship having not grieve stuff from your old one and you sneak some stuff in and you can't figure out why this one's all messy now, let me tell you now, it's because you snuck some stuff in from your old relationship that you didn't grieve. Excited about a new job? Yay! Bringing in some trauma and some stuff from your old job? Mmm. Can't figure out why you can't, get to, you can't get along with that supervisor? It's because you actually haven't grieved the fact that your last supervisor was trash. And you're treating this new one like that. God is doing some new things in unison and it's exciting. And I don't think even, I don't think any other church that I've ever been a part of, we talk about it like this. We're just like, yay, new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. You know what happens when you pile new stuff on old stuff? It's called hoarding. There's a whole show about it. (laughs) Then you got to do an intervention. You can't even find the new stuff because it's buried under cats. (laughs) Grieve. Like. That's not the same thing as saying it didn't matter. It's not the same thing as saying it wasn't good. It's not the same thing as saying it didn't matter. Because sometimes because we can't access grief, we stick at anger and we burn up what was good so that we can make room for what is new. That's not the way for us as believers. You can't burn up all the good that Jesus did just because he died. We look forward to resurrection and you get to have, you get to celebrate what Jesus did in his life because it had a purpose. But live in the resurrection, which was the reason by which he came. That's the reason for, for his whole coming. And I'm saying there's some things that we have celebrated in the autumn that we'll need to let go of this winter. Some of you have no pattern of that in your personal life. As a church family, we're going to learn how to do that together. And you get to take it with you into your personal life, too. Because you've been praying for some new things. Celebrate what happened in the summer and celebrate, like in the autumn, 
but also look at what season we're in and where we're going and release it. And the last thing, trust God is doing good. Trust God. Here's the, that's not improper English. I intentionally did not use the word well. God's doing well regardless of how we do it. Because I'm on a roller coaster emotionally and God's like, we're good. <laughs> God is doing, actively creating good. Even when I'm needing to release some things. God is doing good. Even when I don't like God's way. I told you, look, I've been honest about that. I'm fully surrendered and submitted to God's will. It's the way part that I struggle with sometimes. It's the way part. It's like, you know we could have did that differently, right? You don't see everything, Chase. I know, but... If we had done it this way, <laughs> God is doing good. What I've learned through these various seasons in my own life, and this isn't the first time Unison's been through a season like this, but what I've learned is my way is one-dimensional, and it only involves a good that I can imagine. God's way is multidimensional and is good for everyone involved. And that does mean that sometimes I, even in anticipating that good, experience some loss. You experience some loss. But when we are able, when we get solidly in the spring and we look back, it's like, oh, that was good for everybody. I ain't like it in the winter, but it was good for everybody. Uh, trust that God is doing good. Trust that God is doing good in your own life. What you have been asking God for here, God is doing it. Some of you are like, what? I mean, you've been asking for different things. God's doing new things. Trust that it is good. I'm going to pray together. Father, <clears throat> thank you that you love us, that you're with us, and you are constantly doing good because of that love. You are doing good. And invite us to good. Position us for good. And even mature us into more and more good. Thank you that as believers you have given us a blueprint for how we can make it through winters with an anticipation that you are always in the resurrecting, redeeming, good-doing business. That's who you are. 
It's not just something that you do because of your promise to us. It's just who you are. So, Lord, we remember your sacrifice. We remember your death and the winter you experienced so that we can have a spring. As we live in this winter, experience loss, work through this as a family into the spring that you are guiding us to. We trust you. We thank you in Jesus' name.